Good morning, everyone. Uh, today's sermon passage is from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of the hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When I was trained for pastoral ministry, I could have never imagined such a time as this. Nor did I think that our school's motto, the one that we passed by every time we went onto campus would ever be so relevant. The sign at the entrance to Briarcrest schools declared, the word of our God shall stand forever. It comes from Isaiah 40, which says, a voice says cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade but the word of our God will stand forever. Central, it is my joy and my privilege this morning to focus our thoughts and our hearts on that which does not and will not change, the word of God. One of the things that fascinates me about these unprecedented and rapidly changing times is the emergence of a new language. I think that a good chunk of our dictionary will need to be rewritten after this pandemic is over. In fact, the International Sign Language Dictionary is already being rewritten. There are even ideas being tossed around as to what the next generation that will emerge from this pandemic will be named. And this makes word association very difficult. For example, if I said a couple of months ago, Corona, you would say, if I said toilet paper, you'd say, okay, never mind. But today, when I say Corona, you say, virus. When I say toilet paper, you'd likely associate it with panic buying, hoarding, self-isolation, rationing, uncertainty, fear, a state of emergency, even war. Yes, war. The language being used right now from practically every health and political official is the language of chaos and war and an appeal to nonpartisanship in a fight against this virus. Now, while there is varied school of thought as to the authorship and historical context of Psalm 46, one thing is clear. It was written in the context of great upheaval, chaos, conflict, and war. A key word in the opening verses of Psalm 46 is trouble. 
It is repeated twice in the first three verses. Agitated waters and moving mountains, while possibly literal, are surely symbolic of popular commotions and things that are supposed to be the most settled and stable, but now are not. One commentator regards Psalm 46 as a prophecy of the church in gospel times and as applicable to any state of confusion and distress among the nations. If there ever was such a time, it is now. And it is in this state of utter chaos, confusion, distress, and war that the psalmist both describes and experiences God in some pretty remarkable ways, ways that you and I can experience and then describe to others so that they too might experience him in those very same ways. After all, that's why we exist, to give glory to God and to point others to him. The thing that I love about this psalm, as another commentator wrote, is that it contains the language of faith under threatened difficulties rather than triumph over vanquished foes. In other words, even while the enemy is still out there, we can cling to God and even grow in our faith in the midst of the threat. In fact, we grow the most under threat. One author wrote, one great end of affliction is to cause us to return to the most high. The greater our distress, the more we need him. So that's my goal today, is to help strengthen our faith as we experience God in the same way that the author of Psalm 46 did, because we need him. So first of all, the psalmist experienced the protection of God. Psalm 46 begins this way, God is our refuge. In verses seven and 11, he is described as our fortress protection. Psalm 46 was Martin Luther's favorite psalm, inspiring the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, written on the way to the Diet at Worms. In the darkest of times, Luther used to say, come, let us sing the 46th psalm and let them do their worst. Luther was also fearless during the Black Plague death the Black Death Plague, pleading for God's merciful protection while at the same time dispensing mercy generously and responsibly. Now this word refuge in Psalm 46, it means shelter, trust, and literally it means hope. Listen friends, what the world needs right now is hope. The other day, on the news, the camera zoomed in on a sign behind the person that was speaking, and it said, where there's soap, there's hope. It makes sense, but while protective measures and personal protective equipment are absolutely necessary, our hope must come from ultimately the fact that while this virus can claim physical life, it cannot claim the soul. Only God has charge over that, and that's why we must point people to his protection, his protection over our souls through Christ, which is never in short supply. Secondly, the psalmist experienced the power of God. Verse 1 continues, God is our refuge and strength. He is the Lord Almighty, whose voice melts the earth whose hand breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the shield, whose command makes wars cease. He is all-powerful. 
If there ever was a time when people feel weak and powerless, it's now. But God's word reminds us that Christ's grace is sufficient to strengthen us in our weakness. It is Christ who commands the waves and the wind whose indwelling spirit has come to empower us to face and endure all things. One of the things that I have particular interest in these days is the concern about addictions and domestic violence during this pandemic, where liquor sales have become an essential service because isolation is the perfect breeding ground for these kinds of things. I received an email last week from Agassi Harrison's Healthy Communities Committee, where I participate, communicating Fraser Health strategy and resources on addictions, particularly those which are of concern right now in the areas of online gambling and gaming. Listen, there's a reason why practically every recovery program out there is based on the 12 steps, which at its inception declared God as highest power over our powerlessness to addictions and dysfunctional behaviors. But today, step two, we, be, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to, to sanity. And step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him are simply inadequate. Listen, if we do not make the decision to turn our lives and our wills over to Jesus Christ as our highest power, we will not maintain nor keep our sanity. We will, be, we, we will not be made whole or, or be healed in any way outside of Jesus Christ as our higher power. And I want to plead with you, if you do not know Jesus Christ, the Lord Almighty, the, the refuge, the fortress, the power of Psalm 46, I implore you to submit your life to him today. Turn your will over to him. He's... He's the only way to not only get through this, but also to experience the abundance that he has for you, both now and for all of eternity. And I want to say this, please reach out for help if you're struggling. That's why we're here as a church for such a time as this. There will be no judgment because there is none without sin. We've all put our stones down and we've picked up mantles of compassion and care. Third, the psalmist experienced the presence of God. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Two months ago, if I were to have said the word social, you would have thought gathering, uh, club, networking, enterprise, maybe even social butterfly fluttering everywhere. But distancing would not have come to mind. Two months ago, Marcy and I had all of our plans firmly in place for my sabbatical and the celebrations of our 30th anniversary and my 50th birthday, but oh, how times and plans have changed. There are no plans except to stay home, eat way too much, use our toilet paper sparingly, watch online services, quiet ourselves, and experience the nearness and the presence of God Most High, the Lord Almighty. Did you hear the psalmist? God is ever, always present. He is not socially distant. He is not isolated. He is not in quarantine. He is ever present. 
This is so comforting, especially for those who are sick and in hospital. I was troubled, very troubled and grieved when I saw an article that said, when you die of the coronavirus, you die alone. That breaks my heart. And for the believer and follower of Jesus Christ, that is simply not true. I love John Wesley's dying words, which are so filled with hope. Upon his death, Wesley said, the best of all is, God is with us. In a March 17 New York Times article entitled, The Coronavirus Crisis is Showing Us How to Live Online, Ezra Klein of Vox said that we are living in a social recession. There's another new phrase for the dictionary. The encouragement, we can now connect with others in ways that we never could or would have thought of before. And I would encourage you, if you haven't already, embrace technology and meet virtually with others. Especially in what we call our life groups here at Central. We can still talk, we can still pray, we can still support and be present for one another. Even as Jesus was with his disciples in the midst of the storm. In the midst of their greatest fears, we can be his presence to each other because we are all in the same boat. Number four, the psalmist experienced the place of God. He says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Now the city of God uh, Jerusalem for the psalmist is actually a type for the church throughout all ages and its rivers streams are blessings from God through Christ by the Holy Spirit given to his people to make us glad <laughs> giving us the ability to rejoice as Pastor Jonathan spoke about last week that we might experience a deep-seated joy in the midst of unprecedented turmoil and global upheaval Ultimately, this dwelling place, though, of God will be the new Jerusalem, which will come down out of heaven, the eternal dwelling of God, where we will experience him face to face. And the more that we think about that place, where the Most High dwells, the more we will talk about that place and point people to that place. This world is not our home. We are aliens and strangers here. And I don't know about you, but that is the news that I need to hear when all I hear on the news on TV is overwhelming and depressing 24-7. Billy Graham died on February 21, 2018 at the age of 99. As a messenger for God, he had planned his own funeral very carefully to be a call for people to put their faith in Jesus. He had said beforehand, someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. In 1934, at the age of 16, Billy Graham heard God's call and became a faithful messenger of the gospel. He spoke about Jesus to over 210 million people in person and to almost half the population of the world on radio, television, and internet. He was determined to make the most of every opportunity, including his own funeral, to pass on God's message to the world. Friends, are we doing the same? 
Are we making the most of every opportunity to point people to heaven, to the place of God? Number five, the psalmist experienced the provision of God. God is within her, he, he wrote. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. What a picture of support and provision. My God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus is something that is more applicable now than ever before. And I just want to say, Central, that I am so proud of this church. We are truly living what was modeled in Acts chapter 2 because the web form that we put online, uh, the responses to the I want help uh, section of that form have far outweighed the I need help responses, which is truly a sign of God's generous provision and care for one another. And now that that form has gone into the community, into the schools that we partner with, we have the opportunity to show God's care and provision for them with both gospel words and gospel actions. Psalm 41 verse 1 says, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak, for those who provide for those who do not have. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. And I also want to say that I am so thankful to live in a country that values its citizens to the extent that it does. Though not perfect, we are truly blessed, and we need to pray for those whom God has put in authority over us. Number six, the psalmist goes on to in invite us to experience the plan of God. Verse eight, come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the, the, the bow, the bow, and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Come and see what the Lord has done. Now because his thoughts are Definitely not my thoughts, nor his ways, my ways. I don't even want to pretend to know, even for a moment, whether the current desolations being brought upon the earth are from the Lord or not. But what I do know is that within these desolations, God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. What I can say with full confidence is that his will and his plan, given his incredible patience, is that none should perish eternally, but that everyone would come to a place of repentance to follow Jesus. And what this means for us, church, is that an incredible door of opportunity has been opened for us right now to speak and to act in ways that bring incredible blessing, comfort, and hope to those all around us who are living with incredible fear and hopelessness. Those who not only see a bleak future, but can't even grasp it, let alone a glorious one. So friends, let's walk through that door and make the most of this opportunity. Number seven, the psalmist also experienced the preeminence of God. He says in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Preeminence means the fact of surpassing all others. It means superiority. The psalmist makes it very clear that there is no one, absolutely no one, who is higher, mightier, and more exalted than the Lord our God. No one. There are so many uncertainties these days, but if there's one thing that is absolutely certain, it is that we are not in control. 
the one who sits above the circle of the earth, as described in Isaiah 40, the one who created all things, the one who sees all things, the one who knows all things, the one who is all-powerful, is in control. And finally, because of all of these ways that the psalmist experienced God, we too can experience, finally, the peace of God. Psalm 46 is kind of bookended, and it's bookended this way. First, it begins with, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, the psalmist said, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, and it ends, on the other hand, with these words, be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We will not fear. Be still. The psalmist is declaring a state of non-emergency. You see, we can be quarantined but not calm. But to experience true peace these days is a huge testimony to those who do not know the God of peace. The word still in Psalm 46 means this. It means to show oneself slack, feeble, weak. It literally means to stand down, to stand off, to show restraint. Maybe the best way we can understand this word is this, to give up control, to stop even trying. Listen, I know that the fears are real. I cannot even begin to comprehend how terrified some healthcare providers and essential service workers are feeling these days, knowing that just a few days ago in Italy alone, 61 doctors died because of this virus. I will not even pretend to understand the anxiety of over 17,000 people who emailed Premier John Horgan in the span of four days last week who are facing job loss, business closure, or the inability to pay their rent or their mortgage. I can't imagine anyone going into the ICU alone. But this I know. The peace of God comes only by making peace with God through Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, 
bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let me leave you with the words of Isaiah 54, verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you alone are worthy of all glory and praise. You are the exalted Lord Almighty who is our refuge, our strength, our peace, and our hope. You are not shocked by the state of the world right now. Your ways are not our ways, and you are not at a loss about what to do. Nothing is impossible for you. All authority is yours, and you have given authority to leaders to serve, protect, and guide us. And I ask that you would give all of our leaders wisdom, discernment, strength, and resolve. Keep them healthy and safe and rested so they can continue to guide us through these troubling times. Give our medical leaders insight in how to care for and treat the sick. Strengthen their resolve, honor their hard work, and protect their lives. Give our civic leaders and essential service providers inspiration, courage, joy, and strength to meet the demands and the needs of their communities. And help us, God, as shining lights in our communities to display compassion, courage, hope, generosity, and kindness. Would the way we honor others inspire those around us, and would the way we honor you, Lord, bring you glory and point people to Jesus that your name will be known and praised throughout the earth. Pierce the darkness, God, with your light. Shine brighter than the fear of death, the fear of economic ruin, or the fear of a long quarantine. God, I ask that you would use this pandemic to pave the way for spiritual renewal. Oh, Lord, we want your glory, your power, and your healing to be on display. And when we look back on this moment in history, God, would we be filled with joy as we remember the revival, the hope, the peace that came out of this season. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.